Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. Brainosaur presents the Weekday Warriors of And hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Weekday Wars of Wrestling. It is August 22nd, 2017. We are presented to you by TheBrainOfSore.com. I am Eric Clancy. I'm joined, as always, by Mr. Patrick Kelly. we got a lot of things to talk about today. We are going to chat about SummerSlam. We will chat about TakeOver. We'll chat about the Cueto Cup. We'll chat about the G1 Finals. Um, we're going to cover most things raw. Um uh, where where should we start with that, Patrick? That's a lot of stuff. Well, if we want to go chronologically, let's start with the G1 climax. All right. Now, I did not see, uh, I did not see the Naito Omega match. Did you? I did. Um, I thought. Uh, do you know who won? I don't want. To I know. I, I yeah. I know Naito won. Okay. Um. Yeah, I thought the match was very good. Uh, kind of a little scary in some places because they did some pretty sick stuff to each other. There was one spot where. Uh, <clears throat> well, there were two spots, actually. There was one where Naito went to pile drive Omega through a table, and he kind of slipped, and they fell off the table, and fortunately nobody got hurt, but it was a spot that could have easily gone very, very wrong if, uh, you know, if the landing was any different. And there was another spot where Omega, they were on the top turnbuckle, and Omega, like, DDT'd Naito into the ring post, and it yeah. looked it looked really nasty, but... Um, fortunately, nobody got hurt on that either, and it just ended up looking really good. But, uh, yeah, no, I thought the match was excellent. I thought it was very good and a great closer to the G1 Climax. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I have not seen it And with it the two guys that deserved it. I, yeah, I agree. I think two of the guys that have been busting their ass. I mean, like, you could make the case that Okada deserved it, but does Okada need it? Um, I mean, because he's probably had the no. the best year so i mean and tanahashi doesn't need it i mean that's like you know that's giving like cena another title so uh yeah no i, I thought it was the best choice i think they make very good choices with who to elevate and who not to elevate um now that said all three uh destruction cards uh have been announced for late for mid and late september have you heard of these cards patrick I glanced over over them real quickly. They look very tag team match heavy. Well, they always are. Um, Yeah. That said, we've got our main events. I think these are should be fairly good. So, Fukushima has Minoru Suzuki and Michael Elgin, which Mm -hmm. could be really good. Um, uh, You've also got an open weight, uh, never open weight six man title match. Uh, Lij against Okada, Yano, and Rocky Romero, which is 
kind of an interesting chaos trio, but that should be fairly good. Then you got like all your um your uh your normal tag matches and stuff. Nothing too like great there. You do have the uh war machine against uh Gorillas of Destiny. Um and it says and killer elite squad. I don't know if that means it's a three way or what the deal is, but so uh, yeah, I think it's a three way. Yeah, okay. So that'll be fairly good. Um Three ways uh, always are good. Yeah. Uh Hiroshima has um I don't know if you saw this, but the main event is gonna be Tanahashi and Zack Sabre Jr. for the Intercontinental title. I did see that. That could be I, a great one. Yeah, that could be really good. Um this is interesting. Um it's Kushida and El Desperado for the junior heavyweight title. Hmm. That could be good. Yeah, I'm not sure how I feel about that one. Uh, then we've got then we've got the United for Kobe, the last last one of the destruction cards. We have uh Kenny Omega defending the US title against Juice Robinson. Should be good. I, I don't I feel like to me, Tanahashi and Saber is is the best of these matches looking at them. But I agree. um you know, whatever. Um and nothing else really jumps out at me. Yeah, it kind of feels like I mentioned that they were very tag team heavy. I think uh, part of that is that the G1 Climax is so grueling and so tiring for a lot of the guys that that's almost like a, a break for them to just be working tag matches all week. Yeah, yeah. Or all month or whatever it is. Yeah. So, yeah, there you go. Um, I mean, those should be good. I think definitely check out the main events, if nothing else. Um, mm-hmm. Nothing big for, for, for Naito, really, which is fairly interesting. Yeah, maybe he got, I, I don't know, maybe he got hurt after the G1 Climax or something. They're just kind of taking it easy with him. Yeah, one of them, he's in a, um, the first night he's teaming with uh, Time Bomb against Ishii and Osprey, And then the next one, he's in that normal LIJ chaos eight man that they always do. And then he's in a six man against chaos again. So well, interesting. Maybe they're, uh, they're probably doing like a slow build or something. Um, oh yeah. I, I'm pretty sure that cause this is typically what they do. It's probably going to be Okada and Naito at Russell kingdom. So they're going to just build all the way to that. That's so interesting to me because so that's what I would I would think based on this, but I feel like people are waiting for that for another Omega Okada match. Mm. So I feel like uh, I mean then then do you go Tanahashi Omega? Do you switch the two big ones from last year and 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 from Dominion? Like it, it, it's interesting. I don't know if I have an opinion one way or the other. I'm just saying like it's it's interesting to think about. Uh, there's a lot of different ways they can go, and most of them work. So I'm not gonna. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'm not gonna question it. They're in a really good position creatively. Some of these guys they've elevated. Yeah. Okay, so let's go to Lucha Underground next. I think that's um, that's like next chronologically. Um, I yep. thought this show was great. Um, I thought the build that they had going into the finals of the Cueto Cup is just a plus stuff. Like. 
the Ray Mundo feud for me is just like like it's money. It's total. It's money. one of the best buildups of the year, easily. I would agree. I would say the last five years, it's up there. You know, I mean, like you've got two guys who are more so Johnny than Ray at this point, but physically able to do it. But then, as veterans, mentally knowing what to do, and that's both of these guys. But they and they're both over as hell. Johnny gets heel heat like nobody else. Um, I, I love the finish to this. I love. I mean. Like I love Johnny Mundo as a performer, but it also it, it shows the value of a performer. Where by the end of the segment, you're hoping the other guy kicks his ass of how good of a heel he is. Um, mm-hmm. So, so I, I I thought this stuff was a plus. I loved the everybody in the pool stuff at the end, uh, especially with Paul London doing commentary on his carrot. Um, by the way, can I just say that and just declare my undying love for the Rabbit Tribe? Uh, I oh, wasn't sure amazing. what to think of them at first, but they've really won me over. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm totally with you. I, I think, I think Paul London is just like, it's a, it's amazing to see guys that like you see for a while and you're like, eh, well, they're good, but like, and then they come back after like experience. Just, just not even just wrestling experience, but life experience, and they kind of like things click for them, like you know. And and sometimes it can be how they're used, but a lot of times it's just experience. I mean, you see Drew McIntyre now versus Drew mm-hmm. McIntyre before; it's a marked difference. You see Johnny Mundo now versus Johnny Mundo a few years ago, and like you know, Johnny always had his strengths and stuff, but like much better on the microphone. And that once again, that could be WWE scripting. But the point I'm saying is like, you see some guys and you're just like, wow, look at, you know, look at how they've grown. And, um, yeah, I think Paul London's a key, a a key example of that. Um, but I, I thought this show was great. I loved both matches. Um, I uh, love the stuff they did with cage and Muertes. Oh yeah. I mean, that's going to be how good was that? So good. I mean, like, and Muertes, I think, just just as a performer, I appreciate him so much. Because I don't know if you noticed, but early on in that, like, uh, match with Pentagon, like, there was, like, a fuck-up. And instead of just going back to the same spot where so many guys would do, he turns it into something else. And he starts, like, it was like a flip or something. I can't remember. He was, like, trying to, like suplex him and flip out of him but he but there was like a fuck up but he just starts hitting him with his forearm instead he's like instead of just like trying to do what we rehearse realize where you're at go with it and it was just like a a, a great veteran maneuver that i'm like oh yeah this guy's like knows what he's doing in there you know um yeah i used to see that a lot in the 80s where i would see uh, i saw it with rookie steamboat a couple of times actually where he would fuck up but he wouldn't act like he fucked up and that's something that a lot of the younger guys typically struggle with where I remember, especially Randy Orton, when he was really young in oh my his God. first run, when he would fuck up, it was so obvious, and yeah. he would go right back into the same spot, and it was just like, wow, that looked really bad, but the veterans know how to make the fuck-ups work. Yeah, and, and I mean, and not all of them. I mean, there's guys, like, you see Daniel Bryan, you see Triple H, you saw Shawn Michaels, um, uh, Punk, like, guys like that, they would know what to do. But yeah, there's some guys that, that, that don't, but... Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but that was that was a great example. I, I um uh I thought that both I, I love that these were the final four because they're just like the key dudes in Lucha Underground. Yeah. And um I like I think the right guys went over, you know. I, I think um 
I well, think we're getting Cajun Muertes and we're getting Phoenix and Marty. So yeah, yeah. No, and I'm 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 hype as fuck for those matches. I'm like so ready for those matches. Like they've done such a great job of weaving that stuff in throughout the tournament that it's like it's worked really well. So I, I think um, I mean especially the stuff at the end when all of the Worldwide Underground's like enemies had came out that they've screwed over like. Sexy Star and the Mac and Dragon Azteca, like like that was so great. And it's just like, it's not like, it's not crazy out there stuff. It's just good old fashioned meat and potatoes pro wrestling booking. And it's like, and that's it, one of the things we've always praised Lucha Underground for for all the cinematic qualities that they have and for all the you know unique ways that they present their show. At the end of the day, they do a lot of basic wrestling one hundred and one stuff very well. Yeah, stuff that NXT does, stuff that WWE used to do, and that main <laughs> roster WWE generally doesn't do, and it's it's amazing. It's like, and, and I I think I think Lucha Underground highlights it best when people say, "Don't give it away for free," and what they mean is, and or what they they're trying to say, and what we've said in the past is like, you know, Johnny Mundo and Rey Mysterio is being quote unquote given away for free. But it's had, like, two months of build-up. So I think the point is, like, if you have a match with Wrestler A and Wrestler B, and that night you're like, here, this match is happening, it's like, well, why didn't you make this more special? Like, it doesn't have to be on a pay-per-view. It's just that's what people are used to for build-ups. But they're like, why didn't you give us a story and, and a build-up and, and, and something to follow as opposed to just, like, they're wrestling, and there you go, you know? And I don't count, Well, like, it's the difference between this and the Cena Nakamura match from, from a couple weeks ago, which had virtually no build-up, and it was like, eh, you know. Okay. Which, by the way, don't criticize Road Dog on Twitter. He'll block you. <laughs> okay. I've never seen, like, a fucking person in a field so adverse to criticism. And he's like, no, I'll take constructive criticism. I was like... Like what? Like, the only constructive criticism you take are, you're great. The Internet's too negative. That's like it. And you're like, oh, okay. I mean, maybe, like, listen to people and open up a dialogue. I don't know. Like, something like that. Mm. So. I agree. Uh, um, so, yeah, th- I-, I thought this show was great. Um, however, I, I totally loved um, TakeOver Brooklyn. I thought, I don't know if I... And that's to say it was or wasn't. I don't know if I like it as much as Takeover Brooklyn One. Definitely loved it more than Takeover Brooklyn Two. Were you at Takeover Brooklyn Three? No, no, I was not. Okay, because you attended the last year, I was, I was at the year, Mets right? game. Yeah, I attended the uh, last two years. Okay. Um, yeah. No, I agree. I thought Takeover Brooklyn Three was great and just gave me <laughs> gave me all the stuff that main roster WWE just isn't giving me right now. Just uh, great stuff, top to bottom. Yeah, I thought the. Um, I mean, yeah, it was just like solid stuff, like um, big angles, big matches, great yeah. chaos, everything worked. Absolutely, I, I thought like Oscar Ember Moon was like, like it was probably Ember Moon's best. Ma- it wasn't. It was Ember Moon's best match on the on the um, in NXT. Um, oh, by far. A- Alistair Black continues continues to be like such a can't miss prospect, like. To me, oh, I'm that just, Black Massey hit out of nowhere. That was great. The fact that he hits it so well every time is just amazing to me. But um, uh, I thought Sanity and Authors of Pain were really good, and I thought it was like, you know, 
it gets the belts off AOP without like really hurting them and can bring them up to the main roster. Um, I thought the main event was really good. The surprise at the I mean, we knew Adam Cole, Cole had signed. We didn't know he was going to essentially form a Ring of Honors stable with Fish and O'Reilly. Yeah. And, and there you go. You immediately, now you get Drew McIntyre against them. You can put Rude against Roderick Strong. And, I mean, interesting stuff. Interesting stuff. And, and good show. Yeah, I, it's great. And you had a storyline going throughout the show, and we didn't even know it. When Red Dragon showed up earlier, we were like, oh, wow, cool. And then they showed up again with Adam Cole at the end. It was like, wow, they they were building this up all night. We didn't even realize it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, I thought I thought it was really good. I thought it was I thought it was good stuff. I thought the crowd was good. Um, it, it makes me want to see the next show. You know, what, what else can I ask for? Oh yeah, and oh, the opener was really good too. Gargano and uh, Cian Almas. Yeah, Almas is best match by far. Absolutely, and I think he's he's like. He's he's we've seen him kind of get there, but now we're at the point where he's like finally comfortable in a WWE ring and like kind of gets how they do things. So, um, and I mean, it doesn't help. I mean, Zelina Vega is gorgeous, um, <laughs> and she I think she I think she really helps the character, and it, I think it also happens helps that you know that they had a storyline with him and they followed it off and. Okay, he was partying, he wasn't paying attention, he wasn't doing as well, eventually he lost in a big upset, and now she kind of gets his head straight, has him focused, and he's winning again. He's winning big matches. So, you know, that's like, once again, not the most complex storytelling, but 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 good, you know? There's cause and effect and character development from wins and losses, and that's something that Lucha Underground does, that's something that NXT does, and something that doesn't so- typically happen... In a lot of other places. And it's something WWE used to do. Do you remember, like, you know, how shit like that would mean something? Like, after Kevin Nash lost to Bret Hart at Survivor Series, like, it was, like, a big deal. And he was like, oh, well, you know. Or, or you know, um, you know, it, it used to happen all the time. And now it's like, eh, you know, ma- main roster-wise. Uh, it just doesn't matter. But Well, when Cena loses, he just comes out, cuts a promo, and says... You know, I respect ah, you, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. yippity Um, Now, that said, I thought SummerSlam was a fairly good show. Um, I know you didn't see it. Um, I thought the main event was fantastic. Um, a lot of people are praising the four-way, which uh, that was expected. Um, I thought the, of all the matches on SummerSlam, I thought the main event was by far the best built-up, and I'm not surprised that it delivered. I thought it was, I mean, everybody worked hard in that match. As if we didn't know this already, Braun Strowman is a star. Um, he is a just absolute superstar. Brooklyn went nuts for him both nights. He was amazing. He's awesome. There shouldn't be any doubt to give him a run right now because I think he's just, you know, fantastic. That match was great. Um uh, you know, every, it was great. Everybody worked really hard. They had their working boots on. It, it told a good story. Um, I, I loved the main event. I, th- I thought it was real. I was not disappointed by it. Um, uh, other standouts, I thought. I thought Ambrose and Rollins against Cesaro and Sheamus were were great. I mean, the the crowd was just so into Ambrose and Rollins. It was just, and it just shows you the difference between like like good workers and good workers the crowd cares about. You know. Um, 
Finn Balor, I would have wished, I would have loved for him to do like a different demon thing. Like I really, I, I wish the demon wasn't just one look and they like did different things like he used to do in like New Japan and, and mm. stuff. Um, but, uh, you know, I mean, of course he should go over fucking Bray Wyatt. So, <laughs> uh, Randy At Orton. At this point, yeah. Randy Orton and Rusev was terrible. Big Cass and Big Show was terrible. Cena and Corbin was terrible, but those were all relegated to the beginning of the show, so you really didn't care about them. Um, now, SummerSlam was five hours long, wasn't it? It was the fucking, yes, it was a long-ass show. Another one of those. Because uh, that works so great for WrestleMania. It, it does. It, everybody loves it. Um, I'll say this, and, though. At least they finished strong. Yeah, well, that's, that, I mean, that's, that's the key thing. And here's the thing. I did not think... Everybody was so pissed about the Nakamura-Mahal match. Number one, I thought Nakamura came to wrestle today. It was one of those times where he decides to, to work. Um, <laughs> Mahal's not great, but I mean, like, if you're going to... I mean, this fucking championship reign is happening, so I might as well just be at peace with it. But he's not great. But if you're going to, like, you know... If Shinsuke's going to chase him, like, he can he can drop a match. It's fine. So... Like, like I, I don't think that's a big deal. Everybody's like, oh, it's Nakamura put over Jinder Mahal. And I'm like, Ugh, okay. I mean, maybe he'll, like, beat him in the end. I don't fucking know. But, like, it couldn't be any worse. I think if Mahal was, uh, like you said, he's not great. I think if he were a more interesting champion, people would be more forgiving of it. But he's just kind of like one of those but weird... That's a conversation I have in the spring when this garbage started. We're fucking oh, here. Yeah. So, like, you know... <laughs> Um, I hear you. Yeah, so that leads us into Raw, um, which, uh, which, what did you think, Patrick? Um, I didn't see the whole show, but the parts I saw seemed okay. Uh, I love the idea that we're getting, uh, Lesnar and Strowman. That's, I think that could be, what is that, No Mercy they're doing that? I think that could be a great main event. I thought, um, yes, I agree with you. Um, I thought it was, it was... It was good. Um, I mean, I'm sorry, it's not good. It's better than Raw's mostly been, so there you go. I thought st- building up to Strowman and Lesnar is interesting, and building up to Reigns and Cena is interesting. I'll get to a few things about that later, but those are both matches we haven't seen before, so that intrigues me. Um, it makes the And do you think we're going to get Cena and Joe in the meantime? No, um, I think you're going to get Reigns and Cena, like, in the next two months. I don't think they're saving that for Mania. Okay. If they have the patience for it, congratulations. I don't think they do. Regardless, um, that segment, like, to me it was just so hilarious that they have Cena and Reigns come out, and Cena's like, I want to confront Roman Reigns because we've been arguing on Twitter. And then Roman... (laughs) I'm sorry, that just sounds so childish. Yeah, and he's like, you're running your mouth. And Cena's like, oh, I'm going to be fucking ridiculous this whole time. And they, like, argue and they're going to fight or something. And then The Miz comes out and cuts, like, the promo of his life. Like, I would say that, but he cut, he's cut so many good promos. He just cuts this amazing promo, and it's like passionate and the crowd is just on their feet and going nuts and if they could actually sink any of their chance it would have been amazing but 
he cuts this amazing promo on them, and then, like, Cena and Reigns team up, and at the end of the show, they just fucking beat him. They beat him and Samoa Joe. It's like these two other guys that are, like, passionately working and doing stuff, and then these two other guys who, like, don't seem to care very much just beat them, and I'm like, boy, what a microcosm of the WWE is in, a, in, a, in one match. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's what they do. I mean, you've got the, the team of Cena and Reigns where the fans are chanting, you both suck, or is that what they were chanting? I couldn't yes. quite make it out. But, yeah, and uh, you have Miz, who is great as always. We've been saying it all year, but Miz is, like, having the best year of his career and doesn't always get the, the showcasing that he should. But, uh, yeah, that's <laughs> just for one episode, let's just set up a heel for Cena and Reigns to steamroll, and that's that. So, to me, it's like, okay, so your end goal seems to be Cena and Reigns at, like, the pay-per-view or coming up. Okay, so, and then in this match, they had Roman Reigns accidentally Superman punch Cena. So, to me, okay, so if I want to create uh, problems between these two, Roman Reigns accidentally punches Cena, then Samoa Joe knocks out Roman Reigns, and you have Miz, like... Skull crush finale Cena after he's been hit by his own partner and pin him. So then you accomplish two things. Miz, after that hot-ass promo and Samoa Joe, go over on two top guys. The top guys are saved because it was a miscommunication and they, like, screwed up. And it furthers their feud because now they're mad because they actually lost. But instead, Cena gets punched and then still just beats him. So it's like nothing's accomplished there. There's not really beef because, okay, you accidentally punched him, but you still won, so it's fine. It was an accident. And, like, Miz and Samoa Joe just get smashed, and it's like, what was the what was the point? It's like, if you weren't so worried about placating guys' egos, you could have actually put one foot in front of the other and told a story instead of just been like, oh, let's just have him win because that's what happens, you know? Baby faces win forever. Yeah, but I mean, like, it's insane. Like, they had a, a miscommunication finish, and it's like they the bad guys couldn't even win with that. It's like how ineffectual the Miz and Samoa Joe look after that. And, like, to me, if Miz is, like, working his ass off, if I'm his employer, if I'm Mr. Pull-Yourself-Up-By-His-Bootstraps-Vince McMahon, aren't you like, hey, Miz, grab that brass doing- ring, boy. Yeah, grab that brass ring. Oh, you're cutting great promos. Maybe we should put you over top guys so we can make more money with you. But instead he's just like, no, let's just have John win because I'm fucking him on the side. Like, come on. What is this? <laughs> I I don't know. All very good questions. All things we've brought up before in the past. And it's this is where we are. This is just how WWE operates. This is how Vince McMahon likes to run things. It's just, I, I don't even know if it's like a Reigns and Cena thing at this point. I think it's just Vince just loves baby faces. And he will forego logic and anything else, good storytelling, just to have baby faces go over for no reason. Can you, can we pinpoint, let's, let's play a fun game then. Let's pinpoint when exactly this happened. Oh, man. Um... It was probably, I'm thinking in my mind, it was probably the Cena reign when he first became a main eventer. Yeah. When it was Cena and Batista at the same time, that's when it felt like it really started to kick into gear. Yeah, because then they had two dudes. Yeah. I mean, so so here's, because it wasn't the Attitude Era, because they didn't do that stuff with Austin. Um, And they didn't do it with Rock. Um, they would like, you know, Rock and Jericho would miscommunicate and the Dudley Boys beat him, you know. 
So they didn't mm-hmm. do that then. And they didn't I'm trying they to. They used to do it in the '80s, but there was also a lot less shows in the '80s, so they kind of. Yeah, they, they, I mean, they did it with Hogan. That was Hogan, sure. Um, did they? I'm trying to. I'm, I'm thinking through. Did they really do it with Sean and Brett? Um, a little bit, but again, they weren't on TV every week, so it wasn't that same effect. Yeah, because he does it with. They would, and it wasn't him, obviously, but with Backlund and Bruno and stuff, those guys would always go over. But it was a different mindset in in the primetime TV era. Like, let's say that starts in like '93 and goes onward. They didn't really do it, with the exception of Cena. So yeah, I would say Cena started this thing. Another reason to, for us to not like him. <laughs> yeah. Because they do it with Cena, they do it. They, you know, they don't do it with as much with Roman as they did with Cena. No, Roman actually loses. Which Roman I, does which, lose. It's it's just it's like like and that's the thing. It's like not so much. It's almost like it's almost like Roman has more. They, the booking that they don't realize is happening gives him more reason for us to hate him because he's like I'm the only guy that's to, that's able to beat Brock Lesnar, even though he hasn't. <laughs> and they're just like, and they're like subcon, they're like subtly telling us this guy's a fucking liar and an asshole, you know? Or he's like, like Roman Reigns will like get his ass kicked by people. Like Cena would be like, I'm the only guy to beat Brock Lesnar, and then he'd like throw Brock Lesnar off of an ambulance and kill him. Um, so yeah, it, it's, uh, boy oh boy, I don't know. Like they were hoping to have like dueling chants and shit, but they were just like, ah, these guys fucking blow. Well, they were also in New York, which is a very smart, heavy town. So I don't know what they thought they were going to get by doing that. I don't know. I, mean, I would love to see the meetings like that they have where they're like, all right, Cena and Roman are going to get over huge here. Let's do it. Let's put the Miz out there that everybody loves right now and have him insult them. And he's going to get booed. Like, you know, it's just like I, I want to be in these meetings. <laughs> Well, I would have loved to have been backstage. We talk about it all the time, but that one segment where Christian's in the ring with Vince McMahon and the crowd's going crazy for him, and you think in Madison like, Square Garden, in Madison Square Garden, you're thinking, okay, so Christian's going to get a push, right? I mean, Vince, you're not deaf and you're not blind. I mean, you're standing right there. You saw what we all saw, and it's like, nope. So I would have loved to have seen like the meetings following that. It's like, hey, do we want to do anything with Christian? Nah. And then then he gets then he gets killed by Batista the next week. I I thought that was great because that to me shattered like a myth because like I don't I don't know how many people listening have heard of this but for years people would say about Vince they're like oh whatever happens in Madison Square Garden that's the barometer that's the term they always use that's the barometer and number one it's not the barometer. Because, like you know, you go you you go to uh, Madison Square Garden at Survivor Series '96, and Vince's top babyface is booed out of the building, and it takes another nine months, and basically that babyface saying, "I want to turn heel or I'm going to leave," to actually turn him heel. And mm-hmm. you go there and you see, oh, the crowd is chanting for this guy, and Vince is like, mm, 
no, I see no no value in him. So it's like, no, okay, so they're not the barometer. So so he just fucking listens to whatever. I I get it. I'm glad that we've established that. But like for years, people would say like, oh, whatever happens in the garden, that's what he gauges everything by. But he doesn't. It's it's that's not true. So there. You How go. did that miss even get started? Because that doesn't even make sense. Because I could j- like go throughout history and determine that that's not the case. Well, uh, because I think that was their home base, so they would be like, oh, if you were over, I guess the idea, like, if you could get over here, you were set with Vince, so I don't know. Okay. All righty. <laughs> I don't know. There's, like, but the thing is, I don't trust, I don't trust so many things that they say because, because they, because the things that I can see don't add up to what they say. Like, Meltzer says this, and granted, Meltzer has better sources than I do, but Sean says this, and, like, in an interview with uh, JR, he was talking about, like, you know, this was a few years ago, but they were like, you know, until they get a guy like John that moves the numbers for for attendance and ratings, and I'm like, listen, motherfucker, like, attendance, I have no idea. I cannot tell you attendance. I don't have the numbers beyond what other people tell me, like, and... And quite honestly, I don't know how you can mark attendance because you'd have to – there's so many variables in it. But, okay, fine. I don't know about that. What I do know is that the ratings with John Cena do not move, or they didn't in his – they might now that he's a special attraction, and they do to a degree. But they do not – they did not move when he was not there. Like, it's not true. Like, look at – Look at the ratings in summer of 2013, and then look at the ratings after summer 2013 when he was gone. Despite the fact that football was back on, John Cena's absence did not make a difference. And there's many instances you can see when he's gone during 07, late 07 and 08, when when there are times when he's been gone and he has been gone, they don't move. And... Like, that's not to say, like, oh, other guys are, like, bigger stars or anything. I mean, I think John Cena is obviously a huge star, but, like, that wasn't true. So because that wasn't true, and I can check that on sites, on 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 ratings blogs, like TV by the numbers or things like that, like, I don't trust their other measurements. I trust a confirmation bias from Vince McMahon to pick out whatever he wants. So he's like, oh, look, it's these guys are stars, you know? Yeah, and it, it, there are a bunch of weird things like that. I've heard stories of, like, you know, there's all this talk that Cena sells a lot of merchandise, but if you go to any WWE event, I went to Battleground uh, last year, it's like 70% of the merch that they sell is John Cena merchandise, so of course he's going to sell when you produce more for him, and that's who you're selling at the booths and everything. But, I mean, I had to, I had to look and scrounge to get an AJ t-shirt, so... Yeah. They have all these weird things. They just want certain guys to succeed for whatever reason. And I heard, truth be told, I heard similar stories about Hogan back in the day where they would, you know, say, oh, he's selling the most merch, but he also has the most merch. So that might explain part of it. But, yeah, there's a bunch of weird things like that. Yeah, because to me it's like, I mean, I agree with you, and I can't, I can't obviously take a look at merch. But then there's also the other thing and I've pointed this out many times it's the investment fallacy so like like first of all I will not argue with most people that if you're including John Cena on the regular roster he's the biggest star there but I will also counter that he has had the most time money and effort put into making him the biggest star so it's like 
of all time, honestly. Yeah, and 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 it's like so, but but here's the thing: like, if you gave that to another guy, would they go higher? Like, that's the thing, and it's like, yes, he is, but he's got the machine behind him. If he didn't have the machine to that level, like John Cena is a great worker now. John Cena was not always a great worker. It took him a lot of time to get there. And it took him a lot working with the absolute best people that you could work with. He worked with all of them, and he got to that point. But it's like, if you're afforded those opportunities, is it like, like what if, I don't know, what if Mark Jindrak, what, like, I, I, I'm not saying Mark Jindrak would have been better than John Cena, but what I'm saying is, what if somebody else had those opportunities? What if there was another guy, you know? And it, to, so to me, it's like, yeah, but you got to look at how you got to look at the investment put in. Like to me, that's always the thing. Like when you look at CM Punk's pipe bomb or Steve Austin's King of the Ring speech, that is as pure as talent only focused as you can be. Two guys who, I mean, yeah, Punk had some some success and Austin had some success, and they put they didn't bury them, sure. But they weren't certainly being pushed to the level that the response they received. And that's, I think, how you have to measure it. Like, you're looking at Miz right now, and Miz is cutting these hot-fire promos in essentially a mid, mid-card mid level. And it's like, to me, I'm like, oh, that's money. And, and I'm a guy, a few years ago, I would not have put Miz in that position. He wasn't ready. He wasn't put. His work wasn't good enough. But now it is, you know? So, it, it to me, it's like... It, it, You've got to see when the investment is paying off and when it's not. And I mean, it has with John Cena, but who knows if somebody else would have gone to higher heights and actually like increased ratings, which, by the way, John Cena has never done. John Cena has never reversed ratings fortunes. The ratings have been going down since he's been champ, and they continue to go down. And they were going down before he was champ, so he didn't stop the trend either. Yeah, and I mean, there's, let me say, there's very few guys that can do that. I mean, Steve Austin's one guy. Like, The Rock couldn't even really do that. You know, I mean, there's like, honestly, Steve Austin is one of the few guys that I can even name. I don't know if there's anyone else even around. But, um, I mean, Punk, I, I think guess. He might, for, he might be the only one. To he's be the only, I, I think he. I think he's the only guy, really. Um, Punk for a few weeks, but, I mean, I you can't really, it wasn't the same. Well, they fucked that up, like, almost immediately, so, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, uh, to me, it's like, it's just such a catch-22, but um, so yeah. Then we had Jason Jordan and Finn Balor. Um, I cannot tell. If, I can't cannot tell if they're trying to turn Jason Jordan or they're you know what the hell else they're doing. But you know, I think they're going to have to. I mean, they <laughs> they don't really have a choice at this point. Well, I mean, they've been they've been um, just oblivious in the past, so. I mean, you're right, but, you know, there is a chance to fix this. Just turn him heel and see if that works. But I, I thought they were turning him heel from the beginning. And maybe now, they were. Maybe, maybe it was the plan all along. Who knows? That was my thought with the exception of, oh, the announcers aren't, like, bringing anything up, and they never do anything subtly, so. <laughs> so... We asked, we asked too much of them when we asked them to be so. Oh, by the way, Corey Graves had the line of the night at TakeOver Brooklyn uh, when he did guest commentary for the one match. I think it was the tag title match he was doing guest commentary for. And at one point he was like, this is why I miss NXT. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah. I, I, yeah, I bet you do, buddy. Oh, yeah. Um, 
All right. Is there anything else we should talk about, or are we we done? I think we're about done. All right. Cool. Uh, check out Lucha Underground tomorrow night. It's going to be their biggest episode of the season so far, I would say. Yeah, until Ultima Lucha Trace, I think. Mm-hmm. But I mean, right up there. So. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for joining us. Um, we appreciate your support as always. But for Mr. Eric Clancy and Mr. Patrick Kelly, we are signing off. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.